0: yeah great all right
1: so we are talking about pros and cons of our freelance world versus time when we have worked with other different agencies or full-time gigs and uh Joining us now is Josh Ariza. Josh, what's going on, hey, baby? Hey, What's up, guys? You
0: bow, you bow, 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 I need
1: air <laughs> horns when I get in. <laughs> Bringing some flair to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, man? Good? I'm good, dude. Grinding. Awesome. Staying alive. Good. Well, I'm, I'm so thankful you want to join us on this. And you know the reason I kind of wanted to reach out to you on this is because I think uh, over the years and knowing you, we've talked a lot about this kind of idea of like, both sides of the, the spectrum here, like full-time gigs, grinding and working, you know, your 40-plus hours for a salary, and then switching gears and trying something as, as unique as a one-man shop and freelancing, right? So, um, yep. you know, just real quick, tell everybody a little bit about your world before you launched your own design studio and your brand and everything, where you worked at, you know, just to give a good kind of brief history of your background.
0: Yeah, leaving college, I took my first job at Billabong, the surf company. Yeah. That was my first full-time job, and I moved out to California. just about 11 years ago. And then I worked there for about three years, and then I got a phone call from Nike recruiting me over to there, and then I worked at Nike for about four years. I started working on a lot of the action sports apparel stuff, Nike SB, Nike 6.0, Nike Snow, and then I worked my way over to Nike Sportswear, and so I designed a lot of tees, hats, fleece, whatever, what we call printables yeah. in the business. And then I, I left Nike and just to pursue my own thing. Um, basically, Nike wanted me to move, and uh, they were recruiting me up to Portland. And then I said no thanks. And so <laughs> then I, <laughs> then I, uh, I did. I've been doing freelance for four or five years now. I should probably look at the calendar, but around that. Yeah. Um, amount of time awesome Um, that that's how i know how old my macbook is because i haven't gotten a new one since i went free (laughs) i can't convince myself to buy the touch bar (laughs) i know
1: man it's all that extra cash too it's like if it's working good i'm gonna keep
0: it yeah for sure
1: i know i'm saying that about all my macs and it's like i'm ready one of them's gonna blow at any minute now it seems like (laughs) totally yeah so I i think your perspective is good too and i think it's very similar to like uh, where, where my background too, and it was always bigger companies. And it was like, you know, so if anything, you got a really good extreme from that, you know, working with collaborations and big teams and for a big company and then making the move to like be total opposite end, right? Like one Completely. minute shop, doing it all. And I think that's the, per- you're the kind of the perfect person to bring in and talk more about pros and cons. And, and I know a lot of them will probably overlap what, Myself and Jordan had kind of recorded already, but I think that would only strengthen the I, the the plus or the minus, which you know is like it's all about telling young stu- young designers what to expect, you know, and, and right and, and
0: that, yeah, I think I've apart from the re- I had an early junior position at an agency, um, basically my between junior and senior year. Um, and I didn't really like that job much, but every other job I've had, I, I really liked a lot. Yeah. And I've also liked being a freelancer a lot, yeah. too. So, I mean, it's not to say that I haven't had you know bad experiences or bosses that I didn't agree with, but I feel like I've actually experienced both. Like the best parts of, of both worlds and the, probably the worst parts yeah. of both worlds. <laughs> they go hand in hand, man, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yes, true. So where, where do you want to start? Like do you, you want to
1: start with some – do I want to go on the positive side or, or go right – or maybe alternate, go back and forth?
0: Yeah, Whenever I like the back do, and forth one. Let's do that. Let's go back and forth. Cool. Um, I – because I think it, freelance is like – it's – each person is experiencing something different and so i'm I'm really experiencing my experience, but I think like for every upside, there definitely is a, a an alternate downside. I think probably the best example of that like being a freelancer there's not really like a salary ceiling. I know, you know? true there's there's no limit to um, how much you can make in that instance, especially if you start to sell product or you do consulting and I think that opportunity is really interesting, especially because, at full-time jobs, I've had where you know it's it's likely that you could get a raise, you know five to seven percent, sometimes ten percent, or if you include it like a bonus, you could get, you know fifteen to twenty-five percent of your salary could be a bonus. Yeah, uh, which is cool. I think at Nike for me it was about fifteen percent, and then the higher you go in the company, uh, they call them bands. The closer you get towards the center, the the more of your salary is incentivized by performance and then the more of your salary is, which is really just like a bonus. So yeah. I'm sure there's people probably at the top whose bonus is most of their salary, even correct executives. Um, but uh, there's no, I mean, as a freelancer, as a graphic designer, I mean, I knew people who made a lot of money, but I didn't, you know, I wouldn't really know somebody who made a quarter million dollars or a half a million dollars or something, you know? Yeah. I think that's still probably within reach of a freelancer. You know, yeah. it's not, it's not typical, right? But there is a more opportunity for billing more and doing more consulting, but the the opportunity is, is there's also no there's no salary floor. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? <laughs> there's no. Yeah. You know, you can make you can for sure make way less than you made uh, at your first job, and yeah. it's just like the, you try to do things to mitigate the the danger of that. But yeah, you can definitely make no money as a freelancer. You can be starved for work or have trouble with clients or get stiffed on a long job. Um, and so you could, uh, you could really have things like that happen. So, no question, you could be broke as a freelancer. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not really living in either of those worlds. So, um, but I would say my first year becoming a freelancer, I made exactly the same, virtually the exact same salary I made as, as a designer at Nike. And then, you know, subsequently, I've made more money each, yeah. each year.
1: And so, it's true because as, it's
0: something you have control of. Like you said,
1: it's a great positive. The way you nailed it by just saying there is no cap, and you can make those changes as soon as tomorrow to to say I need to start making more money, or whatever. Yeah. So the control factor is fantastic. Like whereas in the job, like you said, it might be the yearly raise or the waiting six months, and you know.
0: Yeah, I remember a lot of times just having a lot of my year being sort of bent on this like yearly performance review in in both jobs I have. Especially oh yeah. If you have you have a good job Um, you'll have a yearly performance review or maybe even quarterly and then just working really hard to get high marks on those they could be highly political at some places so you might um, like for example at Nike uh, the first year I got the highest marks possible and I can't really remember what they what they call them or what the numbers are but you know and, and when I got it, my job, my boss was like, hey, look, you did a really great job. I just want you to know that this is really, really rare that we would give him these. We only give out a certain amount. Yeah. And effectively, he was saying, like, we can't give that to everyone, even if everyone did really yeah. <laughs> great. So that sort of, like, changes the dynamic there. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so uh, I think if everyone really, really does great, they should be compensated for that. They can't in a public company. Obviously, there's only so much money to go around. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, w- with freelance, if you're doing really, really great, then you can get a really, really great salary. So, yeah. Um, that opportunity the opportunity's there. Um, I think the another pro is that you don't have any bosses. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, I, I've, I've had mostly good. I've been did fair points. I've had mostly good bosses. No question I've had my fair share of people who I didn't want to work underneath. Sure. Um, but but um, But you don't. You don't have someone grinding you. You don't have someone looking over your shoulder at your, your art. But I think really the con there is that sort of like everyone becomes your boss. <laughs> uh, you're <laughs> right. Yeah. You have a lot of bosses. I mean, you, you hope that there's a mutual respect there, that they're interested in what you're doing, and you're interested in, in their, their project, and then you work towards a common goal. Yeah. Sometimes that mutual respect really isn't there, and they're looking at you as like a hired gun and they just want you to do their bidding so a lot of times you might have you know you could have projects in with with people who don't really see you as like a peer they see you as an employee yes. that's not that just doesn't happen to me that often anymore but it it has happened as a freelancer so i think depending on like your your level of expertise and your level of contribution to the project you'll experience more and less respect you know, based on your role and, yeah. and how they're using you. Yeah. You want to be huh. a partner
1: with them. And then you're looked at, you're not looked at as just a, an order taker, you know?
0: Yeah. No question. And um, it's, it's funny. You
1: mentioned that too, about the, how both these can, these same things can be both pros and cons, like you're presenting it. And, and in a way too, like, I don't know where this falls, but you're the whole idea, like you becoming your own, but you have to be your own boss. Like yeah. that could be a good thing, but some people don't have that. Maybe it's that discipline and that, you know, uh, that self um, kind of like uh, structure to really do it right. And they might take advantage of the fact that they are their own
0: boss. <laughs> and, yeah. You know? self, self-discipline self is really, really interesting. And I mean, I think you have to have values. I mean, not to get too philosophical about it, but you, you really have to be regimented in the things that you value and the things that you're going to work towards. Totally. I mean, there's some times where I'll find myself just – messing around on my phone or watching some videos and stuff and YouTube or whatever. And I'm just like, I have way off target here. I don't know how I got here. I need to get back on task. You know? <laughs> just especially on days where you're like, I don't have a lot going on. I just kind of need to do this, that, and the other thing. And so you, you can easily be a bad manager of yourself. Um, but yeah, I think that ultimately, you know, the fear of going broke keeps you pretty motivated. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I'm saying the upside is that you if you put if you allocate your time right, you can have more free time and you can have more time True. with your family. Uh, yeah. I'm a, i am consider myself a pretty good dad. I get to spend a lot of time with my kid and I take her lots of places and if I want to take off in the middle of the day and go just hang out with her, I can go do that. And I have done those things. But I think the the you know but the flip side of that is, n- no question, you can overbook your work, or all your deadlines could get bunched together, and you find yourself working way, way more. Yeah, I think I think um, there's seasons for both, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but there have been jobs where I worked where um, I only overworked, I only worked too much. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. um, Have jobs where I worked eight hours, and as I was, always, you know, trying to clock my punch card out, the boss was like, Hey, where are you headed? And you're like, yeah, well, days over." And they're like, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> you're not working that hard. You're like, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, um, you get, you, I think are early on, I think I clocked a lot more hours the first season because I was, I was afraid of not having any money. Um, and then, uh, and then probably recognized over the last few years that I was really taking more like, you know, six weeks off a year at, Different times, yeah. So, um, and then you don't need to tell someone that you are taking a sick day. I mean, that stuff's way awesome. I remember particularly like when I was working at Billabong. Um, it was my birthday, and I only had such a limited amount of, <laughs> only had a limited amount Time. of days. And so I was just, I was like, you know what, I'm going to call in sick. And so I, I called in sick, and then I didn't go. Uh, worked that day and the waves were really good so I surfed um, and then during surfing I caught my own board into my eye which is just I just get so <laughs> I never <laughs> I never get hurt surfing I of caught my not. own nose and my board into my eye so then I had to go to the hospital so then I had this basically this dilemma where it's like now I gotta tell these guys like hey the reason why my eyes messed up is that <laughs> I was surfing on my day off, which is actually my birthday. Yeah. So I had to like come clean and tell them that. They're like, actually, you have to take a vacation day. So I had to take a vacation day for the day that I was in the hospital on my birthday. So just classic. Uh, Yeah. That's uh, sometimes what it takes to get that time off in that situation, but- you got caught, yeah. And I, yeah, totally got caught. I mean, played—that's called playing hooky as an adult. That's ridiculous. Exactly. So, um, yeah, less time off, more time off. It really just depends on how it goes for you. For me, right now, I think I have more time off. But there's definitely—I remember in September, I was just—or um, not September. I think it was September last year, maybe. I was just absolutely grinding, just head down grinding as much as I could, about sixty-hour work weeks. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think that's a lot. Some people say that they work. I don't know how you can be any more productive if the past yeah. 60 hour works. I find one of my biggest problems is
1: like uh, because of that ebb and flow, and you do try to look at um, patterns in like your year, like you were saying, seasonal or whatever, or maybe with certain clients. How do you how do you try to um, level that playing field a little bit so it's not 80 hour weeks and then you know 15 hour weeks the next week.
0: It's interesting because I think I would prefer to work more days in the week and then less long hours, yeah. you know what I mean? so I yeah, almost like, I, get you. I think I would probably prefer to, like if I was super busy, would prefer to have like a seven-hour work week, eight-hour work day rather, um, and exercise in between there, get some family time in between there, but still work eight hours for seven days a week. I, I tend to do that. But I think just having my own office and having a place that I can go, like, after hours and, and go yeah. work also has been pretty helpful. I mean, I think that's a downside of freelancing. A lot of times people just don't have the cap or the, the money to, to rent a space or to build out a space and they work at home. And so, you know, they're you're getting cabin fever and then they're getting a little, you know, crazy and they never put their pants on. And yeah. So there's definitely, like, <laughs> yep. there's no work-life separation balance there it, working towards that is definitely a value of mine. Yeah, um, some people are fine with it, man. They just they live and work, and it works for them, and they don't lose their minds. But I'm I'm just not like that. Yeah,
1: it's like a good thing to put out there to say, hey, that this could come down the road, down the years, where after the first few years of working at home and establishing a great little freelance business, you might want to save up for that thing and be like, hey, maybe the the office space is, you know, and I've gone, I've done it three times, and I.
0: Yeah, where are you working right now? Do you work at home?
1: I I went right back to the home office because it's just, and then juggling it with school and other stuff, you know, it was like, I love it now because I think it allows me to be the most flexible, but I also find I'm doing more of like really good core working, like true hours of, you know, getting it done. And then like you were saying earlier, that benefit of being able to be, I think one of the best things is being able to be so flexible with your time, where as opposed to, when you, you are expected to be at a nine to five from nine to five. And like you said, also too, it could go longer if the boss wants you to, but having this yeah. flexibility is one of the, probably I think the best positives on my end, like to just say, yeah, man, if I, if the gym is the only time I can go is at eight o'clock or at two in the afternoon, I'm going to go because I can't, you know?
0: Oh, I just remember right? like, I just remember having to ask for boss's approval for things like that. Things that I consider to be just kind of normal, healthy, like, I got to go run and meet the plumber at my house. I got to go. Exactly. And, um, just things that are just kind of inconvenient. I got to go to the DMV or I got to show up for, you know, jury duty or perhaps like just things that are. Yeah. Innoc- innocuous things that like become kind of inconvenient when you're like, and you feel like you're lying. working for some, <laughs> yes, you need to lie. You have to call on a sick days and yeah. get injured on your surfing break. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, um, more and less time off is just it really depends on the person. I think I get way more time off than other people at the moment. Got it. Um, yeah. So I think you know, you kind of get to make your own hours in that way. But then, um, I think a good uh, for me, at least the, I'm in the position of choosing projects that I want. Yep. I haven't really had to take too many projects that I didn't want, and actually, I think on the rare occasion that I take a project that I feel like, okay, I'm just in a position. I'm not that busy. And maybe I'll take on this project. Um, those have actually been bad, bad, just coincidentally been just bad projects for me. So, um, I think being choosy is like a really nice thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I've actually had taken clients, um, on two occasions where it just didn't really feel like a good client relationship. And those clients, um, didn't work out. Yeah, and I wasn't. I wasn't being choosy enough. I kind of like let some red flags um, go yeah. or skipped over them because I thought the project was interesting and and those have ended up biting me in the butt. Now people make that mistake with taking full time jobs. Sure, too, you know, and then you're stuck. You know? And then, yeah, you you're either stuck or you moved out there for it or you um, you left your other job that you kind of liked but you wanted a new salary or a new title and then you got like a month in, and you're like, whoa, whoa not worth know, five, it boss is not that cool or you know the vibe at the top <laughs> was so cool in is, the interview <laughs> for sure um so i think being choosy is cool and then you get a little bit more selective and you know what the good projects are and then you're willing to compromise only on the things that you know that aren't really like integrity type things you know mm-hmm. um so um uh-huh. I, I think that that's a cool part of it um i think the bad Some here let me just read a few of the bad go things for it. that i um, chasing money sucks just like sh- hounding people for money is not fun no. I mean so now I have a way more unapologetic hard fast rule that if I don't know you like you have to pay me up front yeah and um, it doesn't matter like if you've worked with other people or whatever we just kind of don't play by that rule um, it, or we kind of play by that rule across the board um, good and then it, the downside is also that you don't have any lawyers usually working for you a lot of staff like lawyers work at some of these places that I've been to. So if something illegal happens, you were ripped off or, you know, or whatever, and you wanted to go after them, you're you covered. Just use your staff lawyer. Yeah. to do it. Um, <laughs> and also those guys sometimes be nice and they'll write up contracts for you and do things that you would normally do. But now you have to deal with all the legal stuff on your own. Um, and so there's some ways to kind of lessen the blow of like hiring lawyers, but none of them are really perfect yeah um i don't in my opinion um maybe you have better means of like there's obviously legal zoom and there are things that just kind of will help you along the way but yeah a, a lawyer who's just going to write threatening lawyers yeah lawyer letter and then that's like that guy's gold yeah yeah. Um, a exactly. woman is gold right so um the taking ownership over your work is really cool so like you know being able to have like, okay, I accomplished this project. Like, this is my project. Like, no one can take responsibility for it. But at the same time, you know, you you're fi- all the failure that happens, like you have to take responsibility oh, yeah. for that too. You That's, start the be- to- That's the
1: best lesson, dude. I, I, I think you feel <laughs> the same way. It's like I'll be the first to admit uh, any wrongdoing or fault. Like, because like I think it it really blow softens your ego when it's you're the one man or one woman show because you can't point it to somebody else. You know? Oh, for
0: sure. And then on the flip side,
1: too, it's just as good when when there's a great triumph, you're like, it's there's such a good, proud feeling about that. And it's, you're like, I would, you know, especially when it's like something that maybe wasn't in your wheelhouse or whatever. And like, I was just thinking when you were talking about the lawyer things and this, whatever, on the flip side of the, that, the positive is you become a pretty damn resourceful person. You figure these, you got to figure stuff out
0: because oh, yeah. no one's
1: doing it for you. so Oh, for sure. Like you could really think- flip all of these back and forth. It's it's
0: kind of <laughs> Yeah, they, they could go upside and downside, yeah. but depending <laughs> on where you are in your career, obviously. Totally. Um, I think, um, but that that acceptance of failure has really changed um, how I sell work Good. and the value that I put on it, actually. I used to, I think, uh, tell people like just... You know, almost shit sure myself that I'm going to give you the best solution, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're going to be so happy. And you try not to like really oversell how many problems you're solving on the design side. I think. Yeah. I had a client just come back with me uh, for a, a project that I really, really want. And um, they're taking a bunch of bids from a different, a bunch of different people. My bid was kind of like middle of the road. And then yeah. they got a low, a low bid from like a, you know, another freelancer. And they were like, hey, can you match this? And I was just like, I also kind of just, I felt weird about the situation in that, like, I want the project, but I'm also not willing to lower my rate for it because I want to give them a great product. Yes. So those things kind of like work in conjunction with one another. Like I don't want to set myself up to fail at all. Yeah. And I don't want to give them a, a thing that's unachievable, but at the same time I also need to sell myself so I can just be like, Hey man, just look at that person's work and then look at mine. And you can decide, Yeah. you know, you, you should decide based on whose work you like best and then, and, and go with that. That's yeah. not, I'm not saying for sure they're gonna take me but i I feel confident that like um, if people like your work then then they're likely to get something in line with that and they're likely to get something that they like and so um uh, it has changed ownership over failure has changed how I yeah. I, I, I pitch myself and'm I'm, I'm trying not to be too sure of myself when I'm yeah when I'm selling a client and also sell them realistically because um, I don't you know I think I've been around the block enough to know that design really isn't the entirety of a brand. The design is is just a piece of something that makes something successful. So I don't tell someone their logo is is going to make them a bunch of money, or I don't tell them that their logo is even most of the battle for securing clients. i I feel like I'm a lot more realistic about it. Yeah. Than what it is. It's, yeah. It's a cool. It's a cool image that your you know your your clients interact with. So, um, I think the. Another con is that people like to waste your time more. <laughs> yeah. I think. I think. Yeah. Uh, I think people like to waste time in meetings in in a corporate structure unquestionably. But honest, you're re- yeah. you're receiving a salary when you're when you're in those situations, and I think that that that's really that's fine when people waste your time. Regardless yes. of, it's a little bit easier to to swallow in that instance. But I think when it is when your time, damn. when it's your time, and people want to have. Uh, oh, hey man, you mind if I hop on for a quick chat or do you mind if we, we go to lunch? I want to pitch you on a business idea. I stop going to business idea lunches until I know <laughs> what the I know what the business is about. Yeah. I can't, yeah, because it's either you're going to ask me for free work or you're going to pitch me on a business that's maybe not that great of an idea. Yeah. You could just text me that you think that this is a good idea and then we can move forward that way. <laughs> but doesn't that turn,
1: the flip side of that though, it turns you into like a much better
0: business person. And I like, you know,
1: I think that's one of the biggest missing things with creatives is the fact that they might not have had business kind of you know uh, boot camp in a way, and here yeah. you are figuring that you're figuring it may, maybe the hard way. You have to go through one or two of those to say, "Damn, I just realized I spent an hour and a half with someone and, and I couldn't bill for that, and I lost oh, time." yeah. So like for sure, you got you figure a way now to say like, "Hey, well, you know what? I'd love to, man, but uh, my consultation fee is this for that hour." You know, and yeah. and, and Mac, that could be a positive because some, I know in my situation, like if someone were to tell me that and I was hiring them for their services, that would give you that chance to like test drive or do something kind of, you know, with that person. So, yeah, it's fun how like these little things yeah. can become really good lessons to improve yourself as a freelancer.
0: Yeah, totally. I th- I think.
1: You know, your agreements <laughs> and your contracts and like refining those every time. I'm, I know you mm-hmm. do that too.
0: It's like, <laughs> yeah, every time. Man. Yeah, you get a little better at sniffing out. Like, yeah, there's, it's just it's this, con- my brother and I were talking about, it's just this common. I want to call it archetype. There's a guy who's like, I'm the idea guy. Like, yes. you know, you're know, you going to be the guy who makes all this stuff, but I'm the idea guy. Yes. It's just like, I think it kind of sounds like you don't know how to make things. <laughs> so I'm not really like on board with this. You'll give me equity. You know, I'm not interested in this, this business relationship. So I think you get a little better about managing when to take certain types of meetings. Um, I think another downside is that I think mentorship is sort of built into the system of like a hierarchy of a business. And I think that you don't really not, I mean, maybe not always, but I think there is some seniority and mentorship in a, in a business structure a lot of times. Um, and, and when you're not in that and you're outside and you're autonomous, then you kind of have to like great point really search for that. Yeah. I I think, you know, maybe some people have bosses or, or bosses, bosses that they don't look up to, but at least most jobs that I worked at, I there was at least somebody down the line who I, I respected and I looked up to, and I would be interested in asking them questions. Yeah. and they would help me, and they'd be willing to help me because we're on the same team or we're working for the same company, and, and that part is really cool. You have to like really search that stuff out when you're when you're by yourself. Yeah, um, I think um, it's competitive. That's another. Uh, that can be a pro and a con, but yep. I think a lot of instances you're bidding against other people. You're working to to get the same jobs, and especially if it's really cool, sexy work, then um, oh the, yeah, then the harder it is to to get and nail down. Um, you know, you're you're an accountant, you're a biz dev guy, you're an art director, you're a designer, you're everything in between there too. So it's just there's a lot of moving parts to freelancing, and I think you can dial the if you have your you know, the dial's right. You can be mostly designer and not have to be all those other things, but as much, but you still will have to be some of those things. Um, so for example, I have an accountant now and I have a CPA and I have, um, uh, you know, different things that I lean on.
1: Um, yeah. It makes sense. So, you have to, man. It's the same way you want someone to hire you for your skills. Uh, oh, completely. It's out of your wheelhouse, man, get someone that's trusted, especially on that legal and financial side. Cause like damn, you don't want to be doing that as a novice. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Yeah,
0: representing <laughs> yourself in court, you know, oh, threatening yeah. to whatever. Um, and so, um, the yeah, and that can be that whole experience, I think, of freelancing. For some people, can be a lonely, isolating experience. Yeah. Um, it hasn't really been for me. I think I find, like, on most of the people who I either mentor or just have casual conversations with, um, they can get lonely while they're freelancing. Um, and I, I think a lot of that is just either you need to find a creative community or you um, you need to uh, work in a shared office space or something, you know, where yeah, you can get feedback or you know, I send a lot of my work to Amy and Jen Hood, sometimes to Joel Buchelman, and I get candid feedback from them. I have other mentors along the way who are 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 people who I ask for feedback for, but I don't feel alone at all in what I'm doing. But uh, but you made that happen, sure. and I think that's the smart part. You know, you luckily I
1: think when you just you, you are in a zone where you might be a little isolated. There's no other thing but to reach out, and hopefully that can kind of you know kind of snowball with the people you meet and small like you said a some creative source in your in your neck of the woods or wherever you are, even online. There's so many ways to do that.
0: Oh, um, totally.
1: You know, and then that becomes such a great thing because like, same with you, Matt. It's like, I, I agree. Like there's so many of us that we know we can reach out to each other for anything. Even if it's like, have you ever done anything in this, this zone? I'm like completely new to it. What do you got? And it's oh
0: totally right. Um, I think that's an interesting thing because, um, freelance does a, a weird resourceful thing to you where you, you have to stay dynamic. Yeah. So you have to sort of learn new skills and you have to, be things that you maybe weren't before, um, and learn about things that you didn't know about before. Um, so I think, like you, as the as industries change and as people use design services, you too have to be changing. And I think, um, since people call this the gig economy, mm-hmm. which I think is a, an interesting term. That you know, it used to be maybe like my parents' generation, uh, people who are in their sixties and seventies or something. They they worked at a job for like a long time. Yeah. And when that when that industry changed or collapsed or we stopped using that resource, um, because a new resource came along, um, those people were SOL, man. The, yeah. The floor got you know ripped out from underneath them. And then they were all by themselves and hopefully maybe they had pensions or retirements or savings accounts, but a lot of them didn't work for a long time yeah. or they had to completely change industries. Now, I think like as a freelancer, you're sort of like doing that in an evolutionary state, just kind of little by little. You're learning new skills along the way. And then there might be things that like you did five years ago that you don't really even do anymore. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I even just from an apparel standpoint of view, it's amazing what trends have changed. Oh, you know? man. And so, so quickly um, now
1: because of just how digital we are, right? I mean, it probably totally. took three years for a trend to switch. Now it's like three
0: months. Oh, completely. And there used to be, there was never really any direct-to-garment printing, and now direct-to-garment printing is like a lot of like what people are doing, and on-demand sure. lead times are a lot smaller. Um, and so, it's just a fascinating thing of how the industry's changed. And I mean, there, I I worked in the surf industry for you know, eight years there. Now there's virtually no surf industry at all. There's, yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, so you have to stay dynamic in that way. So, so I mean, there's people, let
1: me ask you something. Would you say, would you think, do you believe like that maybe the freelance, uh, route allows you to be more nimble to a lot of this changing because it's in, un, it's your control. I
0: you think, think it allows you to be more nimble, but I think it's just a, it's a, it's a good example that, it becomes part of like who you are. It becomes yes. part of your, your daily routine. Oh, surveying like, oh, someone has a Skillshare out there. Oh, yeah. 3D 3D design and, and 3D art is sort of like in vogue right now. Maybe I'll dabble in that. Exactly. Or, you know, I didn't really know After Effects until like six months ago, and now I know how to use After Effects. Exactly. I'm not the I'm not the best animator in the entire world, but now I'm really comfortable with the 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 program. And now I, I use it and I bill for it. Yeah. So I, yeah. Um, for, for good clients too. It's not just like, you know, some, some random tire shop across the street. So, um, that is sort of built in the DNA of being like a, a, a freelancer. So I think, um, you, the, the one thing I really don't miss at all about, uh, um, working in a, a full-time job is like office politics. Oh <laughs> God, dude. Yeah. The and, worst unquestionably, like I've noticed politics, like at least in my peripheral, like Mm -hmm. as a freelancer, like things that are happening internally that are sort of like not in my control. But I'm not super worried about them as they don't like directly affect me. They don't affect where I work or whatever. They don't really affect my future. But I was not great with office politics at all. You know, working at big companies, I didn't really know that you needed allies or that people could sandbag you and those kinds of things. Yeah. The cover your ass zone, you know? Like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the, the more healthy the work environment, the less that kind of exists and the more honest people are and taking responsibility. But, um, I've definitely seen some, you know, weird things inside of businesses that, um, I don't understand. And, um, but I'm also like, I just want to be a really good graphic designer and I don't really want to worry about like, who's my friend at work and who's my enemy. That's just a very complicated thing. I think well, a complicated yeah. dynamic. It's a yeah. whole other
1: level. That's I always put it in that bucket of unnecessary, just evils. Like it's like, w- w- there's no need for it, but it creeps in those environments because people are human, man. And there's always the same types yeah. of kind of personalities and, and conflicts. And, and it just, ha- And it's, I've seen it in three people teams and I've seen it in, in 300 people teams, you know, um, yeah. So I, I agree with you, man. Like there's a, there's a nice freedom of knowing that that's not a part of the day anymore. Like that, that just, you know, when someone throwing it, like you were saying to having a meeting and like being totally inefficient with it and wasting everyone's time or someone expecting better treatment than someone else. And then what it causes, it's like, man, we're here to do good work. We're here to, yeah. you know, enjoy and make, hopefully make money and and do it. So like to not be a part of, the day now is like, I don't miss it
0: in any way. (laughs) It's like, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think I do, at least not in that capacity. It's it's really hard to, it's a hard thing to, when you're just trying to make great things, like having something that gets in the way of that as a hazard is like, to me, ultimately unhealthy. And so, um, I, I'm, I don't miss that kind of thing. Well, I was never good at it. So yeah. And I I love,
1: (laughs) I, I gotta tell you too. I'm like, I'm such a, um, if I hear a friend or someone or family member mention something about the politics going on in their job, I, I have this thought in the back of my mind. I'm like, just give me 10 minutes with that team. I would, I would get get rid of the problem in five seconds. You know? Yeah. It's like, there's no need for it. It's like, come on. You know, always makes me um, laugh.
0: <laughs> there, man, there's some stories I would love to tell on yeah. this podcast. I don't know when I can tell them, but, uh, Silly maybe when enough times past would be some really fun stuff. Yeah. I, I've, I've had some weird things go down where I've, I've been blamed for, you know, PR disasters and wasn't completely anywhere that even happened, you know, yeah. so like yeah. a year later and I had to go clear my name. unbelievable I think it's just some of that stuff is really, um, it, some of it's happenstance and some of it's like directly, you know, related to people wanting new jobs or new opportunities or wanting to get ahead yeah. and that, that stuff is sort of, uh, is besides the point. But I think like the the main thing, about freelance, that I, I really, really like is that you get what you put into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it really it's you can see results right away and, and you get to take ownership and responsibility of that. And I don't like, there's not a lot of things that are, are really like that. Where, I mean, like I, mowing your lawn, like you look at it, the grass is long, you mowed it, the grass is short. Yeah. And you know, you saw immediate re- results. I think freelance is something as simple as that. I did a project for somebody, there was a transaction, they liked the project, they were happy, and now I can move on to a next one. And as much as I want to work, then those opportunities show up there. And um, But I think a lot of things that people have trouble with is, is finding work in the first place, finding grass to mow in the first place. Yeah, I think most most of the people that I have conversations with um, or mentor or just peripherally hear about is them being able to find work in the first place. And I think the ultimate problem with that is that either people are not good at networking and they don't really know how to reach out to the people who would give them dollars or their work is too niche yeah. and not broad enough. And they, they think that they can be a specialist when as a freelancer, I think that you really, it's okay to specialize in something, but if you need... So you want to make sure you're busy. You're going to have to be general in some other areas. Yeah, great point. And then, um, I mean, that's my outlook. I've heard people say like riches and niches. And it's like, okay, <laughs> I'm like, I've heard stuff like that. And I just, I, this has not been my experience whatsoever. And I think that if you uh, want to one, one issue I always hear among illustrators that well, we're always struggling. You know, illustrators are always struggling. And I've been thinking like, well, partly that's because a lot of, Uh, illustration just goes into um editorial or uh or publishing and if it doesn't exist outside of that then everyone's fighting for those same jobs maybe there are other ways that illustration gets used that I'm unaware of yeah but I think that if you look at an application like um you know textiles or fashion oh it's endless that entire industry needs needs illustration And so I think if illustrators were to focus a little bit more on how to make a repeat or, or understand apparel design or that kind of manufacturing, I think that they would, they would do really, really well there. Yeah. Um, and so I hope that illustrators are not struggling, but I do recognize that like, um, the more broad or the more, the more uses for your artwork, the more applications for it, the, the happier you'll be. And so, um, that's why I think that, um, that freelance can be a struggle. Some people, they're just focused in on, on one area. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I always tell anyone in that situation, maybe going into it fresh or new that the, the bigger variety of stuff you could show that you don't want to be the Jack of every trade out there, but to show some flexibility and to show the fact that you're not just one trick pony in one particular area, um, it just increases your chances of that, of the connection happening between you and a potential,
0: you know, new client. Yeah, you know, I, I 100% agree with that. There's a. I will even go a step further. That I think that hanging your hat on a, a, a narrow skill set, mm-hmm. maybe even like a narrow uh, look and feel that you only do like this. I'm the guy who does this type of design. I think is a, is a. My personal opinion is that this is a bad idea for the long run because I think um, I think for one, you having different clients, so you, they all have different tones of voices, different looks and feel, um, different, um, vibes to where the brand is headed. And I think it's probably better to be a little bit more dynamic Mm -hmm. with your, your style and a little bit more, um, versatile in it so that you can uh, apply that to all those different types of looks and feels and vibes. And so I, um, that's how I think of myself. That's, that's what I coach, you know, my young designers is to think of them, you know, you're cre- creating a brief for yourself. And I think there are people, yeah, who have looks and feels and, and, but I think that they fit more inside of a, like a fine art. Correct. I, I agree. Type of type of vibe. And it's not really creative brief driven. I think that's okay. Like if you, you're making money in that area, you should definitely do that. But I think as a freelancer, like it's, um, it, it might be, you might find trouble finding work there. Yeah. And I, I think that's an exciting
1: thing to think about is the fact that you could you could try something new if it is a little bit of a stretch and it might be something that's not in that that like, you know, your uh your little uh, Swiss Army knife. Like what else can you do? And then it's like you're saying you can pick up after effects, you could pick up you name it, just to kind of expand your scope a little bit more too. And that to me that sometimes sure. those are the funnest jobs, man. The ones that are like Man, I I kind of am a little lost here but that's a good feeling. Like I might just produce something that's no one else is doing in that in that industry.
0: Well, you're relying you know? on your taste in that instance, right? You've just decided like I trust myself to make something cool exactly. regardless of, of the way that I'm I'm making it. And I think that that's that's really where where people succeed is that they have a refined enough taste that they can make things that people will like to look at, people will like to interact with and that's like that to me is the value there. Um, and, uh, I, each project for me is a completely different project. So I don't, I, I, I think that that's more exciting at the moment. I, that's why I left Nike. I didn't want to keep writing the word swag on t-shirts and <laughs> futura extra bold. you know, obviously we did more than that, but like, um, ultimately the brand has one, one tone of voice and I'm designing into that and I didn't create the tone of voice. I'm just perpetuating it. Yeah, so, yeah. um, uh, when you have more autonomy, you can make more decisions and, and be more impactful on a brand. Um, so, um, I think that that's most of my list. I didn't have like a ton more. No, I that's mean, perfect, dude. I uh, I would ask you to, this one last one
1: is what's your best advice for someone making that, let's say they've got three or four years under their belt. They've been doing some good, solid work. They built a, th- a really nice little portfolio. <laughs> And they're gonna they want to make the switch what's what's your best advice
0: to just get some ready people for it. some people go about this a few different ways some people okay I'm gonna dabble in freelance and when freelance gets busy yes. enough then I'm gonna quit my job yeah. I did not do that I was the opposite of that um and I think I think that um, necessity is the mother of invention And in that if the rug was pulled out from underneath of you you would be able to find work yes but I think the emphasis and direction really should be on networking if I was focused solely on freelancers, let's say they're a mid-level um, graphic designer, I would say the network that you should be aiming your business at would be creative directors and art directors at brands and companies and startups that you want to work for. Yeah, And those people are familiar with the creative brief, and they're really familiar with the creative process. They're not emotional. They're working with big budgets. They understand what uh, the design process is like. They're not um they, they tend not to be emotional about how the artwork gets made. They tend to just hire you because you're a vendor in their list. Yep. And I like that better. I think that works better. Like I would take my car in and get the tires changed. I just go to the guy who's the best at it and I know can get the tire on. Bing, bang, boom, transaction happened. I'm in a different spot. I actually like that the best. Yeah. I think if you're a free, new freelancer and you want to hang your
1: – you want
0: to try – you know, tea, teaching clients about the value of design and holding their hand through the design process while them working with their personal money. This to me is like a much harder, um, against the grain type of freelance experience. It's okay, but you're effectively living the entire experience of an agency all within one person. Some people do that. I know that Nick, you do that sometimes. Yeah. On occasion I do that with different clients, but I'm comfortable doing that because, um, I've spent enough time as a freelancer, but early on, I don't think, I don't think you should leave your job and just start um, soliciting any business. I think you should focus it in the manner of people who understand the creative process and people who have budgets. Yeah. And then I would also say, um, if you have money in the bank and you've had your portfolio audited and looked at by p- your peers and people who you look up to and they're giving you like, look, this is good work. And I think it's great. And you could try freelance. Then you should go for it. But I don't think that you should try it without having someone um, give you the green light. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you know, as as good as I thought I was, um, I needed validation from other people. I needed advice from other people. I needed encouragement and feedback. And that was why I was ultimately able to do it. But I had money in the bank and. Um, and I had a little network set up. Your network is, is, is really, really valuable. Yeah. Um, I've seen people fail at this for other lots of reasons involved. One is they felt like their network wasn't big enough. Um, and they just were knocking on doors and not getting enough, um, responses. We, I've been telling people that it's like a, the freelancing is like a door hanger effect. You want to take as many door hangers and hang them around the neighborhood. And you just want to hang them on literally thousands of houses. It helps that someone's going to use your services. Use that. That's the same way that a plumber would do that or the same way that a pizza guy would do that. Do that for creative services, do it on LinkedIn, do it over Twitter, do it yep. over DM, do it in the cold email. And you'll find if you do 200 of those things, you'll start to find work. If your work is good, yeah, you'll start to uncover work, and um, it's drills. You're just trying to cast the the broadest net, you know, possible.
1: Yeah, it's your outreach. So
0: yeah, you gotta
1: exactly. you Got to cultivate a good list, like you said. Be, think about who you would who would need your services, and actually, I always say, like, who would um, appreciate your services too you know yeah like you said well, you want to make people sure they have,
0: understand it they want that right people have vendor lists you know at nike yeah. we had a list of vendors and it was literally thousands of illustrators and designers and once you just get in that list then they might pull your ticket now you don't want to just hope that nike is the one that pulls your ticket but you want to hope that maybe nike will maybe adidas will maybe stance socks will maybe Under Armour will, and you get yourself on enough of these vendor lists, then your number starts to come up a little bit more often. Yeah. And especially if you're easy to work with and the project turned out good and people can see in your portfolio that there's no red flags, then it's really just having a broad net and then having um, people start to pull your number a little bit more. And especially in somewhere like Nike or especially somewhere that is an agency that's familiar with Wutherland vendors, it's a lot more ease of use. Um, getting great work from you because you don't have to do a lot of the client handholding, or or teaching them or educating them about design. They already know about it, um, and they already appreciate what you do. So yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of a broad advice. Yeah. Um, so some people sort of ask me that those same types of questions of of how to go freelance and when they're ready, and um, and I've had people who I knew were successful fail at it, um, and it was mostly because they didn't hang enough door hangers. Yeah. Yeah. Or they were, they were afraid of using resources or or reaching out to people. Either uh, they were nervous because they didn't think their work was good enough or they were nervous because they didn't think uh, they, they didn't want to use that resource in that way or they didn't, you know, that fear of embarrassment and fear of failure really stops a lot of people from doing stuff. And, if you just know that failure is sort of built into the experience of freelancing, for example, you're not going to get a response from people. You're not, you're not going to get an email back or you'll send the email and it'll just land flat. That's okay. I think. And, um, and um, that's just part of the deal. And so they say that the best salespeople at these, at the dealerships are the people who treat every single um, customer, like a, they're a person who's going to purchase a job, and they act the exact same way to all of them that they do. Yeah. Um, um, to you know, one might look poor, one might look rich, but you're treating them the exact same. And so, I think that if you start just treating your clients the exact same, not not being afraid of to be embarrassed, not being afraid to put yourself out there, then then things will fall in your your favor. Yeah, those not, people skill things are like that's number
1: one on my kind of list of what to. Sh- you might be. You might have the design side down and that's the whole reason you're getting into this thing. But your people skills and your business sense and like you even said, are you a good person to work with? No red flags. Like those are those things you gotta strive for. Um yeah. I think a hundred percent, man, because it's like and I love that. It's a, it's a game because like the more you do it and you put yourself out there, even the most introverted person can really shine there if they do it enough times to get and they get successful with it.
0: You know? Totally. And then the last thing I would say is don't write long emails. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the Josh and <laughs> golden rule. <laughs> yeah. Don't write long emails. One line, two lines. Yeah. That's it. Uh, especially for young people. I don't, um, young people are people just starting out freelance. Um, you might have a sales pitch, but you should hold that in your pocket yes. until you make contact first. It's so much um, more confident, man. You know? Yeah. I think, I You, I think it sounds like, at least just talking to you, that you have a much better pitch than I do to some of your clients. But (laughs) for me, I try to – the hook, line, and sinker is I just show them my work. And then if it's a resource that they need, then then we'll have a further conversation about it. And so um, the door hanger is still the best metaphor for this. Yeah. We want to know that there's a plumber in my local area and then I can use
1: them. And then you're top of mind because of all the hangers.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. You're You're the last
1: one that I saw. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean – I hate to say it, but hey, that that if that's your if that that's the connection, th- you got to take advantage of it and then kick ass and show them what you
0: got. If you shake hands, you know completely. Um, I mean, my first year of freelance was not glamorous at all. I was doing logos. I was I was not billing more than five hundred dollars a day. Yeah, I was doing a complete logo package design, including font, colors, and at least ten logo sketch pitches within a day. So. I was on the grind, and they were for clients that I will never put in my portfolio. Um, and so, in the beginning, maybe it's not glamorous, or maybe you're a little overworked. And be okay with out? That. Yeah, it's a good thing. And point. I was, I was undercharging, a hundred percent. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now it sounds insane to me to charge five hundred dollars to get ten logo versions, uh, yeah. including colors. It's insane, but but I was doing it and. Um, I needed the money, so I think um it's not maybe it 's not glamorous in the beginning, but you shoot your shot you'll start to get a little more opportunities.
1: yeah and and dude like look look how often a lot of us do share now and are very transparent with these things, and like that 's the only way I knew that my charging was way too low, and still you know it's still an ongoing process you're always reevaluating that because you see the if you could build the value up in what you do and you know, uh, you're not 99 designs, giving them just clip art and fonts. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, you're actually digging deep into who they, whatever you're, you're you start to charge more and then you, you could back that up. And I think that's the biggest point. If you could back it up, I'll, 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 I'll explain it to anybody who questions what the the fees are, you know, and I, and you're confident with that.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know,
1: but I I love Uh, that people are talking more about this and saying numbers, which is, Great. Yeah. You know,
0: I think it's important to be candid and honest about it. I think people also just, I think on the low side, people are embarrassed to admit when they aren't charging a lot. Yes. And so um, I had an example of a young lady talking to me. She said she made, she was charging $75 an hour. And then she was like, but I've never made more than $4,000 in a month. Yeah. And so I think that's a, you know, then we were able to like have a longer conversation about like, oh, it sounds like you might not be billing for all your time, yeah. or you're not busy all the time, and let's maybe just talk a little bit about that. And um, and so I think what you're charging matters for your overall business health. Um, I was talking to Amy Hood; she says that she now will build into the system that she um, bills for meetings, phone calls. Um, and phone calls and yep. so um, a, pro- a bit of project management in between all those things yeah you add, right add that stuff up for sure and i've never truly done that as like a line item but now i just sort of include it and in then yeah the cost of like i can't get myself like maybe you know 30 percent more time on this because i know we're going to have a lot of conversations along exactly along the way so um yeah protecting yourself and yeah. Think about a logo for $500, for example. Like I have to have multiple phone conversations with a person. Yeah. Like, that's insane. Yeah. Uh, I, I was doing like five jobs a week like that. So that was multiple phone conversations as like minimum 10 hour days. And so uh, once I got my head above water and I was able to recognize that I was, you know, I had an error there. I think I think hindsight is twenty twenty. but yeah, having more conversations about what to bill. So I think that's yeah, that's that's actually really great types of conversations to have, especially with a mentor or somebody who's further down the line. I, yeah,
1: that's a great point. I I know when you sit down with someone and kind of t- help them expand that invoice from three line items to like sixteen line items for that logo design, right? Like the research
0: and, it might and development,
1: be... the whatever, just to just to fill in the gaps, man. It's like don't show like shortchange yourself on that.
0: You know, yeah. there's more to well, yeah. it. Especially if it's taking that amount of time. But I think it could be just who you're focusing your business at, too. People, if they don't value design services, they're not allocating enough money towards it. But I, I pretty much wholesale try to avoid working with people's personal finances for that reason. In that they really do have a set budget. And it sort of hurt, actually hurts their wallet to, to hire you. Yeah, and so um, And they're a lot more precious about it along the way. They might not get things that they like. Um, so, um, it's not across the board. There are some people that I will work with and they really value what you do and and you can work with their budget. But I think for the most part, I try, I try to work with people who are dealing with a corporate budget for that reason.
1: Yeah. And it's a great goal for anyone, even if they're starting in the smaller world to uh, don't expect that overnight. It will happen. But as you get that one or two slightly bigger clients and it puts you in a new, maybe at a new level then that next company sees that and now you've made a jump up. So it's always good to look and see like how you climb that ladder too with your clients. Oh yeah. You know,
0: I've yes. hundred percent. Cool. Well, dude, thanks for having oh, me. Oh dude,
1: this is awesome. Uh, why don't you uh, plug yourself a little bit where they can find you and uh, talk a little bit about chomp too, man.
0: Oh, awesome. Um, I am a freelance illustrator, graphic designer. So you can find me Joshua underscore Ariza on Twitter and instagram and uh i also have a an apparel brand called chomp and you can follow that at chomp brand um and there's ChompBrand.com, which is where you can purchase things that i make and illustrate we got tees hats fleece on there i mean you can find it at retail stores um actually we're international now dude so we have some <laughs> canada we got some does Canada count as international? Of it's not multi. It's not multi-continent. <laughs> but I, hey, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's international, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, follow Chomp Brand. That's where I put a lot of, uh, you know, creative effort into. And I'm just happy to be making things. I'm happy, happy that people buy things. I'm happy to be on the phone with you. It's cool good that deal, going good. Awesome, bro. And I, I, thank
1: you so much for sharing it, dude. It's I, I know you're, uh, you help a lot of young designers. You've helped my students tons of times. So uh, this was only natural to get you on here and talk, brother. No, thanks for having
0: me. All right, bro. We'll talk to you. Soon. Have a good night. See ya later, bye.
1: Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that fun and uh, enlightening and informative conversation with my buddy, Josh Ariza. I- I'm so fortunate to know people like Josh that really not only are fantastic talents, but want to talk about you know the pros and cons, the ups and downs of the design business. And uh, as I've mentioned before, he's been really great with uh, coming into my class and helping out with my students time and time again. Um, so anyways, hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be back. Jordan and I will be back on the next one to talk a little bit more. Uh, Hope you guys enjoyed this. Let us know how we're doing. Please like these and uh, obviously share with friends that you know that it might be worth them listening to. Thanks and talk to you soon. Bye.